You're listening to the Reconciliation Lectio. How do we discern God's voice amidst the competing messages of our age? Today's scriptures are appointed for the fourth Sunday of Epiphany in year B, which will be read on January 28th, 2024. And after reading them, I'll be joined by Jim McNeely to grapple with this critical question. We reflect on that innate human longing for security and definitive guidance. Jim offers profound insights into the real tragedy of false prophecy, that in promising much, it actually obscures the true wonder and beauty of having a real Savior in Jesus Christ. We discuss how the early church navigated relating to those misled by competing voices, how this ancient dilemma continues to challenge believers today. How do we live out the victory of our risen Lord while remaining wise towards those still in bondage? I found the exchange with Jim on prophecy both edifying and thought-provoking. Stay tuned for our scriptures for the week and the stimulating dialogue on discerning God's voice, true freedom in Christ, and living by his authority, even amidst confusion. Up next is my conversation with Jim on faith and reason in light of this coming Sunday scriptures. Our first reading is Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 22. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, How may we know that the word of the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or comes true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Our psalm is Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks unto the Lord with my whole heart, in the company of the upright and among the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, sought out by all who have pleasure in them. His work is worthy to be praised and held in honor, and His righteousness endures forever. He has made His marvelous works to be had in remembrance, 
The Lord is gracious and merciful. He has given food to those who fear him. He shall be ever mindful of his covenant. He has shown his people the power of his works, that he may give them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are faithfulness and justice. All his commandments are true. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and equity. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who live accordingly. His praise endures forever. First Corinthians chapter 8. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence, and that there is no God but one. For although there may be many so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things are, and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? And so, by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if I make my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. The Gospel lesson is Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Jesus and his disciples went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, so they questioned among themselves, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Our collect for the week. 
O God, you know that we are set in the midst of many grave dangers, and because of the frailty of our nature, we cannot always stand upright. Grant that your strength and protection may support us in all dangers and carry us through every temptation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. So many in grave dangers. Mm -hmm. Many of them end up being lethal. Indeed, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, it's a very, it's a very natural and very human thing, right, to seek a release from these many engraved dangers and. And we look for a prophet like Moses, right? We look yeah. for the lawgiver, the one who will tell us, do this, and it will be okay. Yeah, that's true. I, I wonder, I, there's, there are many passages in the Old Testament about false prophets oh. like the, and, um, this little side note, but, uh, we are our current culture is just running rampant with false prophets rampant yeah people who proclaim themselves to be prophets of the lord and even apostles mm -hmm. of the lord that are completely awash in false prophecies yeah and almost everything they say is a false prophecy mm -hmm. and the more clever among them will say things so vague that they can pretend like, oh, I've never said anything that didn't come true. That's because you actually, you never say anything, but for some reason, people just flock to you. Right, right. But there's a lot of them that aren't that clever, but they have throngs of followers and just everything they say is false. And provably so, over and over again, provably in, in they're the laughing stock of the rest of the world when they hear it and, and look at it. And yet people are still following all this nonsense. And I just wonder when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is the word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Right, right. And yet they have the idea that that happens, they should be able to conjure up the word of the Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. There was a guy that had got, I, I forget his name, but he made this big public stink about getting out of the prophecy game because he said the whole pandemic happened and we didn't see it coming. You're supposed to be giving the word of the Lord, not conjuring up logical predictions about what they, what's supposed to happen as if you're God. Oh, right. Right. It, and, and it just betrays the entire mindset there. It's just, mm -hmm. wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, and you know, it, Cindy, it's interesting. Oh, go ahead. Cindy Jacobs on the day of January 6th prophesied that nobody would be hurt or killed. And, mm -hmm. you know, how, why is she still followed? Why do people still honor her and, and give her money? And she travels around and she's in all these councils of prophets and it's crazy talk. So yep. this, is, this is actually really relevant. It's <laughs> our national political discourse. Right. Well, it, it makes me think interesting. There's an interesting conflation going on 
in the Deuteronomy passage and that like, is Moses a prophet, right? Like the, the, the role of the prophet and the role of the lawgiver seem to me to be fairly distinct. And yet there is a sense of like, what is, you know, again, through the lens of the call out, right? The, the live concern, the salient issue for most human beings is like, we want protection from these many and grave dangers. We want God's representative, God's mouthpiece to protect us from harm, to protect us from God himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And all of the, the vicissitudes of providence. And so we're looking for the person who can, I mean, we're looking for both offices and if they're, if they're one person, so much the better, right? Yeah. Who can deliver the word of the Lord, protect us from all the things that are, that are, are dangerous sure that life is going to be good and that all is going to be well and tell us that if you just do these seven things it's going to be good for you like you you're you're you're, you're golden right so that's that's what we're looking for right and you know of course then the prophet like me right is generally taken to be speaking of jesus and and it's interesting then to move into the gospel and we find, you know, here is, here is one who teaches, you know, with authority and not like the scribes and the Pharisees. And furthermore, not, not just not like the scribes and the Pharisees, but not like the law and the prophets. <laughs> right. right. That this is a, this is a new teaching that is, <clears throat> that is beyond the, the, the boundaries of the, the things that we as just as as human beings, not just like within the tradition of yeah, the scriptures, right? But that we are we are grasping onto, and we are seeking our safety and security from that sense of access to divine power, from that sense of rootedness in divine law, and 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 here comes Jesus, and you know, he not only he well he's not. He was not sort of like setting something forth in speech as as a as a hypothetical to which there is to be conformity, right? Which is something that ultimately mm -hmm. both the law and the prophets do in sort of their different modalities. But that he shows up and there are demons everywhere and they start running away. Yeah, right. Right. I tell you, I just to corroborate um, all that. I had an amazing conversation with this uh, woman, basically a pagan, and like her thing, she openly, like Athena, right? That's her deal. And so when I started talking to her about the gospel of grace and of no longer being under the law, but under grace in this uh, sense of tremendous freedom in of being loved by God and all this stuff, immediately what she went to was she was horrified that it was antinomian. Yeah. <laughs> and yet her lifestyle, unbelievable. So incredible debauchery. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. Just unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. So it's so funny how people, it doesn't matter what faith tradition you're coming from. The new covenant in his blood is a tremendous scandal when you really start to understand what he's really offering. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, you know, like that's part of the, you know, speaking of kind of like these uh, new apostolic reformation prophetic types and, and they're sort of like, 
very vivid imaginations of spiritual warfare and so forth. And like, yeah, right. The, what's what's interesting is that actually it's a mercy of God that we are not more attuned to the realities that actually are right. The the many and great dangers are even more more great and more numerous than we have dared to imagine. Right. Right. And um, like it is beyond the scope of our capacity to perceive or to imagine. Right. And so this is, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that is, that is utterly pervasive and, and everywhere. And we are, we are simply faced with it. Yeah. I'll tell you, there is a tremendous, I'm going to say fleshly lust for that, this kind of prophecy. And it's not just Christians. It's, there's a whole world of new age quote prophets, people that and in various stages of complete lunacy that people flock to that were they're they're really aliens from wherever, all this like crazy stuff. And they get, they make a lot of money. Right. Um, and tend to gain quite a bit of influence. It's pretty amazing. And people are starving for that. And I, I often wonder in the Christian circles, I just want to go up into some of these gatherings and there, there can be thousands of people at these gatherings, just listening to this utter, just, just blatantly false prophecy and just, go, yep. okay. I have an actual, genuine, real prophetic word for you, like a real word. It's really from God. It's really true. It's actually genuinely, like completely from God. And it's the most life-changing word you'll ever hear. And here it is. Are you ready? Get on the edge of your seats because here's the word that's going to change your life. Jesus Christ came in the flesh and died for your sins and it worked. Yeah. Right. That is the word. And if that isn't interesting to you, I'm trying not to get that E on the podcast listing. <laughs> if that's not what you want, then whatever. I don't know what you want, but it certainly isn't Jesus. Yeah, right. It, yeah, for sure. Well, and you know, that's kind of the point that I was getting at was that like that sort of as vivid as imagination is, it is not anywhere close to the reality of how extraordinarily chaotic the actual scope of, you know, unseen, we say demonic activity is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And moreover, that it doesn't matter because the awesomeness of Christ is even more incredible than and and more than enough to confront all of those sort of like demonic realities that are beyond you know the fearsome things that we could possibly imagine right right so and so i think that being so true I think that peop if people would just go acknowledge the truth, like all of that stuff is way beyond my pay grade. Exactly. And it is not helpful. It is not helpful. Yep. What is helpful is to know Christ. 
and to know, to come to know and believe the love that God has for us and Mm -hmm. to trust him. He is, here it is. He is the true prophet. Yep. And when you find other prophets in the Old Testament that are true prophets, nine times out of 10, the kernel of what they're saying is Christ. The suffering servant, the savior, that, that is the content, the, the blood atonement. That's the prophecy. And it, Absolutely. and it betrays the fleshliness and ungodliness of so much of particular American evangelicalism. That is just not what people are interested in. They are interested in all this fake prophecy. Right. Yep. And, and telling them what they want to know. Yep. But Jesus shows up, right? Yeah. The yeah. one who teaches with authority, the word that actually has authority, right? And all of that stuff properly just dissipates, right? It does. It just dissipates. And, and, and the other thing is that the thing that's, it, the thing that's the most uh, egregious about all of it, not... This is egregious, but it's not the most egregious. It's not that it is false prophecy that's leading so many people so astray and is just fading into people's kind of fleshly natures in, in, in all of that and that it's so false and everything. The real tragedy is that it's missing the wonder and the beauty in the the eros of knowing Christ and him crucified for us and of the tremendous in, 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 in just great unconditional love that he has for us and of his tremendous care and concern for us and in that we truly have a real savior who is just lost over us. And how is that not interesting? I don't know. I don't know how that's not interesting, but it is the most beautiful thing. All of human experience points to that being the most beautiful thing. And that's a true word. That's the truth. And that is true spirituality. It's not fake. It's real. So anyway. Well, I mean, I think that my sense of where the conflict comes from is that for people in the midst of their yeah. conflict, right, that just feels like talk, right? It doesn't feel like that meets me where I'm experiencing yeah. the depth of yeah. evil and brokenness of the world. And yeah, that, that because of that, like, but then, then what are you turning to, right? Like, if it's if not the, if not that, it's the, you know, like, well, there's got to be something that I can do, right? There's got to be someone who has an answer, yeah. somebody that I can. Follow, They're gonna turn right? somewhere. I, yeah, exactly, exactly. You can't not believe something. You can't not have. I mean, I guess you can. I guess you can choose to be hopeless <laughs> and despairing, but in a way, like to choose Christ is to be hopeless and despairing. (laughs) It's like, oh, he's just the one with authority. And 
you know, he sets the table in the presence of my enemies and, and yeah. I'm, I'm going to yeah. run with that. Yeah, I, that's so true. I mean, from uh, the Deuteronomy passage, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, the same prophet shall die. And so I just think here is not, it's not just some words that he puts in his mouth. Here is the word of God, the logos made flesh. It isn't just everything he says, it's everything he is and everything he does and everything about him. He is the exact representation of God. And it's, yeah, we're interested, but we need a more current word, a more relevant word. We need something else. It's, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, good luck. Right, right. You know? Right. Well, it's, well, I mean, I think that in the best case scenario, it's this, this sort of like prophetic trope, this prophetic intervention helps to bridge the gap between God revealed in Christ and my own felt sense of destiny and yeah, yeah. my place in the world. Right. And, yeah. and of course, you know, I think, part, well, I guess I'm not an insider, but for me, it, it, it doesn't, doesn't seem know. to ever get back to Jesus <laughs> or like Jesus become just sort of a, a mascot for you know, my Holy. political agenda, yeah, which yeah, is exactly. what's really going to save right. the world. It's all, it, it becomes so <laughs> political and it's just so nauseating. So political. Um. Mm -hmm. Or even, I guess, maybe that's not giving enough credit because I think for a lot of people, there's a sense of, you know, that the world is beyond salvation. So, you know, like within that, it's kind of a, just a tribal, yep. tribal identity and um so yeah the purpose is just to do good for our team or for the victory of our uh, team and that's when you get this whole all the culture war narrative like forget the fact right. that god so loved the world right and that he's a friend of sinners we have to go to war against everybody right right mm-hmm so what do you think about 1 Corinthians 8 in light of this conversation? Because, I mean, Paul is talking about it, the tactics of people who are weak in their understanding yeah. of these things, right? And I wonder if it applies to the kind of people that we've sort of been, I don't know, yeah, manning. I think <laughs> that <laughs> idea of knowledge in being loved and known by God and of the sometimes the dryness in the emptiness of theology that there's just this whole thing where you know I actually, it really resonates with me. I'm, I'm going to pull this passage into what I've been writing because it's really relevant to what I've been thinking about. But he's talking about food offered to the weak brother in the 
the, the stronger brother. And I think that in terms of the actual false prophets and false apostles themselves, um, I don't know that this applies to them. I think that they, uh, most of them, if not all of them know that, um, they are actively deceiving people in, and they're doing it for greed themselves and because they, they like that, that feeling of influence and, and power and being adulated. Now the people that are consuming. I can see there being that they're a weak brother who's been led astray. And so the issue really is not whether or not you honor false prophets and follow their teachings, or if the real issue is that these are people for whom Christ died and our work is to proclaim the gospel and to lead them to faith. It's not to condemn, uh, I, I think that it's God's work to kill off these false prophets, mm -hmm. but I do think that it will be very good yeah. for him to kill them off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. I, I'm kind of but impatient. Because they make the entire faith just <laughs> laughing stock. They've taken something extremely beautiful and extremely sacred in the best way and extremely of inestimable value, the, this curl of great price, this treasure hidden in the field, and they've made it something cheap and fake and just detestable in, in, in the civil person. And so I don't, I cannot in my, in my mind, I can't use this passage brothers and say, oh, and so all these false prophets, they're weak brothers. And so we should, because that would say that, and so we should just cater to them and allow them to can continue all of this idolatry and sin and, and just to keep propagating false, false prophecies and false doctrines in the name of Christ, because weak brother, and we don't want to by our knowledge of Christ, this weak person destroyed. That's crazy talk. By our knowledge of Christ, destroyed. Right, right. Right. Well, you know, it, it's interesting. It presents us with a spectrum, though, because, yeah, as you say, there's, there are the producers and they're consumers, but that actually part of the, the culture is to sort of make everybody the yeah. sort of pressure in terms of like how we relate to God, how we experience our relationship with God, right. As yeah. being just sort of like, yeah, you know, no, I'm going to do a prophetic word about, you know, my parking spot, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, real. and that's like the specific, specific modality that, that some people cultivate with respect to their, their, their faith. And so, you know, I guess that's the, maybe, maybe a distinction could be made to parallel between those who eat yeah, the idols I think that's and right. those who are like actively right. sacrificing to idols. Right. right. But, right. and, and the, the bigger point that I was kind of, as it seems to be, you know, we're, we're veering back from, you know, Jesus shows up and the devils flee away. Right. Um, and Paul is giving these sort of like tactical instructions 
about navigating a world that is filled with devils. And I mean, this is, it's just an, an interesting conundrum because here yeah. we are in the post Jesus thing. Like you and I both kind of believe in the power of sort of like authoritative proclaimed yeah. word to, to have that sort of, you know, devil destroying power, right. That just liberates and, and breaks open. But that, that is proclaiming yeah. a world that is still demon haunted <laughs> and that we still find ourselves needing to navigate. Right. So, I mean, I don't know if our scriptures give us a comprehensive answer. <laughs> we are still beset with many and great dangers. Um, but, but to, to recognize and reflect that Paul is working from that framework, right? Christ has conquered. He has conquered sin and death and hell. Like he has risen from the tomb at this point and ascended to heaven and seated at God's right hand. And then Paul needs to do this, this kind of like very strange in our perspective excursus into talking about dealing with other people's concerns about yeah, and I, that's one, that's the thing, like I'm shifting off of the, like, I hate all the false prophets dialogue, yeah, right? right? You know, um, but, like, you know, taking that cue, like for, I, I am on a mm-hmm. whole foods, so I am a vegan, but I only eat healthy vegan stuff. And full disclosure, about every two weeks, I eat a piece of fish for certain nutritional mm-hmm. reasons. But anyway, it is an, it, this brings up an interesting question because am I the weak brother in our bowl? Like for your perspective, are people who eat a standard American diet, are they eating food offered to idols? Because it's a, to me, it's this giant capitalist kind of construct that there's all processed food and all of these industrially formed chickens mm-hmm. and cattle and what pork and all of that in the whole dairy industry and how all of that is to me it's just this thing that they're for the sake of money just killing everybody off and it does seem like that's food offered to idols to me in a way and it's just by way of confession but i never want to make that my proclamation or my gospel you know what i'm saying um i generally do not care what people eat unless it's somebody i really do care about and um, i saw with my wife that she did not ever want to get on board with my whole food plant-based thing which was okay but she went completely pegged the opposite direction and she ended up with stomach cancer and she died this is a relevant discussion to me in that way of how how do i approach we think about the question of all of these and this is a space where our friend jenny is working on that how do we approach the space of this culture of wellness in general? Because there's a lot of malarkey out there with all of that. But still, do we not want to be, we want to be oh, yeah. healthy people. There's a sense which we hold these 
this treasure in earthen vessels and you want to take mm -hmm. care of your earthen vessel even though it's earthen and but it's that transgressing how how do you have those discussions without transgressing what to me are weaker brothers who don't understand what i'm doing and where i'm coming from and i don't want to make that my gospel in in the least and yet i do sometimes want to share the joy of what i'm doing and i blocks right 85 90 pounds doing all this and other things and i'm not going to go off on that mm -hmm. but you know where does this how does this passage inform that arena and it you can spread that out to almost anything i i went to intellectual things like we should be reading modern philosophy it's just people who don't we're foreign, horrified by the idea of reading um, mm -hmm. what things that I read. And to me, it's like, like I'm plundering the Egyptians. But anyway. No, that's exactly right. And I think that that's, um, that's a really helpful analogy. And I mean, that's another line of concern that I've heard people raise, right? Is that um, they feel like preaching a strong gospel makes everything else irrelevant. And so like they feel like they are by, by talking about the finer points of the law, being very nuanced and careful, right. And yeah. appropriate. And that I'm just kind of, um, showing up, you know, cavalier, <laughs> you know, saying Jesus died for your sins and it worked. And like that removes sort of like their motivation to care about it. And, to me, it's exactly the opposite, right? Opposite, yeah. It's the law that makes it like that, yeah. Yeah, so, so that actually what they are hearing is a new bad law, which is you must believe this. You must think about it this way, right? This way. And, and not, the, not just the gospel, but just like find for it how we should do music and church. And everything is this specific, rigid praxis that we have to follow because this is the way of, godliness okay you can do that if you want but don't think about that as being the definitive christian thing that's ridiculous i you i was talking with i don't really do like yoga per se but i don't have anything against it i did go to a, a yoga class once and it's supposed to be a beginner's class and they're all like okay touch your shoulders above your head coming that's just never gonna happen for me like ever the idea a christian person i was told now the, a way that people they do this in order to worship these hindu gods or whatever like that and i said listen to me there is no way ever i'm gonna stretch a certain way and suddenly bam i have lost my faith i have lost the grace of god no longer has a grip on me and all of a sudden i'm worshiping this like dog god or something it's just like how fragile is your faith that you think that you can lose it and, and begin to worship an idol that easily are you not gripped by christ right right do you not think that no one can snatch you out of his hand do you not have an assurance that in this is love not that we love god but that god loved us you know mm -hmm. did he mm -hmm. fight for your sins and what is your part in that what is your part in that? Do you not believe that you were chosen from 
before the foundation of the world? How, why is your face so incredibly fragile that you can't even stretch a certain way? Yeah, right, right. What is that? To me, it betrays a fundamental lack of even a mustard seed of faith. Yep. And so I'm, there's no reason for us to like tiptoe daintily around like we'll kill off our tiny little tender shoots Christian culture talking about something right right our faith is not fragile anything but if you kill our savior he will rise from the dead amen and he it will save us to the uttermost mm -hmm. that is christian faith amen and we need to begin to develop our sense of praxis based on that confidence yes and based on this fragile sense of like arbitrary practice yeah yeah right yeah and I, you know just ask like well where does that come from it's so if you think about it for for a few minutes it becomes clear like why does god need to be defended <laughs> right like if you worship a right. god who needs to be defended i've got some news for you that's not god that's not god <laughs> right right we come back to again just being in, in a sort of compassionate mode rather than a critical mode, right? Like we are set yeah. in the many in the midst of many and great dangers, right? And we feel the dangers, right? Yeah. And we are mm -hmm. looking for protection and help and salvation. Yeah. And um and you know, we're you know, it's vulnerable to admit that we feel like God isn't showing up for us. And so we build a God, well, you know, this is, oh, there you go. This is the, this is exactly the dynamic of the, of the golden calves, right? We, right. we create a God, uh, who can, who, who, who we can touch, um, it, who we can weave into those stories that make sense to us, the a God that we can control as the assurance and insurance for our safety and our salvation. But right. uh, the God who shows up, Jesus, right, who shows up with authority, um, who kind of breaks in unannounced and uninvited and kind of resented for it, right? Yeah. Uh, is, is a God who just shows up and, and, the, and the spirits flee away, right? And so um, holding open our hearts to be attentive to the voice of that God who is never far from us because he has, he has come among us. Right. Uh, right. And to order our lives around that doesn't again, abrogate the, these kinds of tactical questions. Um, but should shift us away from that kind of, uh, fearful God protecting religion. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I just remember all of this, talk of demons and that certain things that you could do in your life would like invite deep things that you could ward off demons and all of this kind of stuff and none of that is going to work we don't have any power but there's jesus has easy simple immediate complete authority over demons and over demonic activity immediate they run screaming and fleeing from him in 
bag him and he still makes them do whatever he wants them to do. I just think that in all of these realms and all these cases, if we would just turn to him and say, he is my savior. He is the one who is able to eliminate the demonic from my life. He is the one who has the power. And none of that's the message of first Corinthians eight. It, it is about Jesus and him crucified for us. That is the true question. We can land on any side of what you're supposed to eat yeah. and doesn't matter except to just help each other come to Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you. I love you, my friend. Yeah, you too. Let us pray. Faithful God, you are holy and awesome, magnificent in power and merciful in love. Give us ears to hear your prophets who speak your word. Let us discern what is false and what is true and cling to your truth. Grant us courage to walk in the freedom of your spirit without causing others to stumble. Transform us by the authority of your Son, Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.